What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Valentine's Day tomorrow. Go get a card. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the Hispanic heartthrob, Texas treat, Latino heat, clicking heads and ripping them to shreds. The globe trotting, headshot and rooting, tooting, three point shooting, nitro rifle from twitch.tv. Andy Cortez. You imagine just like in front of millions and millions of fans around the world hearing that in a hearing that in arena <laughs> intro song, the crowd goes crazy. You're gonna take on like the San Francisco shock, the earthquake, forty. Oh no, I meant more like I take on the Rock or oh you know, oh, that's like a that. long intro for like wrestling. Well, I feel like the crowd call and response sort of thing. You know, crowd would be responding. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Hispanic heartthrob. No, it'd be me doing it. Okay, my apologies, my yeah, apologies. Yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely lengthy, but yeah, I you know, I mean, there's I, worse problems I have. Hey, you know what? One of the things we keep doing over on WrestleMania Ranked, a screencast special, where we're reviewing ten weeks of WrestleMania, ten matches from WrestleMania. Uh, we talk about those entrances, and when it is just a guy walking to the ring, we're like, it's kind of lame. So, like, if you were doing a whole thing like Road Dog on the way to yeah, the yeah, ring, yeah. call you walk a little bit. Natural rifle. Because yeah. I'm the Hispanic heartthrob. Texas tree in here. Latino Cooking ads and ribbon. Yeah, that's actually fucking dope. Thank you, Doc. That's actually dope. Baron, roll the desk out of the way. Let's do Let's do one of those right now. It's like when we I was going to say, it's like when we were, when you would write songs back in the emo rock days and you would have like a crowd chant in your song. You're like, I'm really hoping the crowd chants in that part of the song. Cause we wrote it in there. Yeah. It's <laughs> hey, a matzo ball. If they don't chant back, you know what I mean? Really That's a big problem. Yeah. It's really yeah, yeah, embarrassing, yeah. Greg. There's gotta be nothing like that. You know what I mean? We get a taste of it at our live events every so often, but like to go out, like I saw a clip on TikTok yesterday of some band. I don't know if they're big or not. I don't think they're big. They seem like they were playing a small show somewhere in like upstate New York or some shit. And they just did the riff of shook me all night long. And then the drummer picked up on it and did it. And then the other guy was like, oh, they jammed a little. And then the entire audience started singing. So they just had to commit to it. And they were like, we don't even, they were like, <laughs> the capture was like, we don't, we've never played this part. <laughs> but they were singing. I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. It is cool, Greg. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing great, Greg. Um, saw you had uh, some issues with the internet last night with. Uh, it wasn't issues with the internet. It's, or, uh, oh, it wasn't issues with the internet. What no. was the issue with? I currently cannot play Helldivers 2. Why is that? Well, it's, you know, I have too many friends. I have too many friends. I, this is what I think is happening. I am, not a, I am not an expert. I am not diagnosing anything. But I, uh, of course, want to play Helldivers with all the kind of funny community. So I shared my friend code over the weekend. And then when I've done, I've shared it multiple times. You generate a new friend code every time you share a friend code. Mm, okay. And so, like, I noticed when I did it the first time, I got a lot of responses. And it kind of made the friend section chug. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then I shared over the weekend, but I never generated a new one. So I think just hundreds upon hundreds of people hit me up for it. Uh, and I think that has borked my game. Woo, woo. Here comes the excuse patrol, everybody. Here comes your excuse patrol. I'm having a great time on PC, by the way, with this game. Now, for the record, when I tweeted about this, yeah. the audience did respond that there was another streamer who has this problem on both PlayStation and PC. I doubt he did it. The same. Okay. I, I doubt apologize. it. I, I, need, I need proof. proof I mean, above anything, this is definitely karma. You know what I mean? Like sure. God and or Satan, let me get obsessed with this game. And now they've taken it away. And so now it's like, I just did a Greg way out here and I was talking about it. If this, this is very much the PC players prayers have been answered where they were like, <laughs> please fuck over Greg Miller. They're pulling the Eddie Brock thing for Spider-Man three, you know, please fuck Greg Miller over, make him sad. And now I have to go 20 times as hard on PC players because they've done this to me. They brought the fight to me. You know what I mean? It was all fun and games. 
I mean, as opposed 20 times harder as opposed to what, you know, like I don't I, as opposed to what I did see uh, this meme. I saw a different version scroll of it. Down. No, Ben did it yeah. that way. And then the audience was like, no, that's not how it is. Yeah, correct? Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know that like people responded when I saw Ben, please be excited. First person post that meme. I was like, in what universe <laughs> is this ever they happening? Started it. You can see it right there. That's not true. Every episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily ends with you and a close-up <laughs> somehow. Getting every close episode. <laughs> every goddamn episode. I'm just saying that, again, it used to be fine, but then PC players would always try to throw it in my face that I didn't have all the frames per second. I have 60 frames. It's better over here. You know what I mean? 60? I mean, come well, this on. is back in the day. I'm talking, I'm talking like on oh, PS3. Okay. I'm talking like PS3 gotcha. times. You know what I mean? And so I had to remind them. Consoles are better because it just works usually, unless you <laughs> And again, this was the thing. I can't even like do you it can. today. I can't even fucking do it today. But that was my fine. After I like, I let, I let them all get on me. You know, I, I was letting the yeah, PC yeah. players take their shots, get their cut. I, mm. I deserve it. I deserve it. But then I finally, when I was like, I, I eventually logged out as myself, logged in as Jen, started the game. It started flawlessly. I'm like, okay, so it's definitely my account thing. It must be this friend thing. And I was like, that's when I quote to it. I'm like, and this is why I got to wonder if PC players have it right. Because, of course, nobody wants to be their friend. They'd never have to worry about this. And I was like, I got him. Still got him. You know I, I mean? did see that. I was like, what a beautiful way to twist it. This guy's a, this guy's a, a master. Pro, man. I'm a pro. This guy's a master, everybody. Speaking of masters, I don't know where I'm going with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about golf. The, the masters at Xbox and how they might be bringing Pentiment and Hi-Fi Rush. Maybe. Let's just fucking get rid of the whole yeah. Masters thing I was trying to do. Let's talk about the fact that today's stories include Pentiment and Hi-Fi Rush could be the first Xbox games to make the jump. Uh, Andy's got a Splatoon preview and so much more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about live on YouTube, Twitch, and podcast services around the globe if you love what we do please support us with the kind of funny membership on patreon or youtube to get each and every one of kind of funny games dailies and all of our shows ad free to watch us record the other podcast lives we record them today's whatever we're doing the afternoon embargo damn so many fucking embargoes usually when they're not oh no but you can still watch wrestlemania rank today uh, they're doing a, we're doing another show that's an embargo but you can watch wrestlemania rank on, but more importantly we reviewed madam webb we're not there yet. That's housekeeping. Hold your mm, horses, gotcha. man. Sorry, and of course, you can get uh, my daily video series, Greg Way. Uh, it's a vlog. Uh, today's is like 15 minutes long, and it's another good one of me uh. deep diving and talking through everything with you. Uh, of course, if you have no bucks to toss away, no big deal. Uh, YouTube podcast services, like, subscribe, share. And for a chance to be part of this show live as we record it, please use your YouTube super chats for your thoughts, opinions, and everything under the KFGD sun. Housekeeping for you today. Islands of Insight is out and Blessing is streaming it right after KFGD. Come watch the Puzzle Poppy work in our sponsored stream or catch it later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Late last year, Bear released his every Persona game ranked video, but since then, there have been not one, but two new Persona games to add to the mix. So tomorrow, February 14th, we'll be premiering Barrett's every Persona game re-ranked at 9 a.m. Pacific right here on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, which now includes Persona 5 Tactica and Persona 3 Reload. I heard he put the first Persona 5 in last place. So you have to wow. go over there to the wow. comments to interact with it to find out if that's the truth or not. Yeah. And then like just get that algorithm going, pumping, you know, Get fighting in the in the comments down below. That's what you got to do. Yeah. He didn't maybe, do that. Maybe, maybe I'm just trying to get interaction on the video. Yeah, yeah, I get I'm it. Or, to get to yeah, just uh, watch the premiere uh, tomorrow um, and hang out in the chat. I'll uh, try to be in the chat as well while I uh, set up the the studio for Games Daily. Um, it'll be a fun one and uh, see where Reload uh, ends up on the list and Tactica. 
Speaking of where something will end up on the list, yesterday we all went and saw Madam Web. <laughs> and now Madam Web in review is up right now on youtube.com slash kind of funny and podcast services around the globe on the in review podcast feed. Of course, you might say, I'm not watching fucking Madam Web, Greg. Don't worry. We recount the entire fucking movie to the point that I had to text my wife several times saying, all right, it's going to be a 515 night. Okay, now it's going to be 530. I'm like, I will be out of here at 545. I like 40 minutes into the review, um, you know, we're about five minutes into the actual scenes of the movie. And so oof, we're going to be here for a, be a bad while. one. This is going to be a bad this one. Is, this is like an all-timer interview, I thought. Find there out where this ranks in the really Spider-Man cinematic universe over on In Review. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Carl Jacobs, Streaking Ain't Easy, and Delaney Twining. Today, we're brought to you by Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and Factor. But we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. Seven items on the Roper Report. A baker's dozen. Cool's boy, cool's boy in the YouTube chat says Deadpool reaction. We all saw it during the Super Bowl. So it was kind of like, you know, we didn't, it's, we reacted. We can't can those. We can't, you can't. And then it, it looks cool. We can't wait. There you go. This Tim, Tim uh, I think, ended up watching that trailer about 10 times because he watched it with a group of people. Yeah. And I walked over. I got like, here late. Deadpool, and he was like, oh, yeah, replay it. And we watched it twice there. And then Greg got here. It was like, all right, put it back on. <laughs> so we all watched it like a bazillion times here in the studio. Sorry. No reaction. Number one on the Roper Report. Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment are reportedly the first two Xbox games to launch on rival consoles. This is Wesley Yinpool at IGN.com. Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment are the first two Xbox games to launch on rival consoles, according to The Verge. Amid slowing Game Pass subscriptions and flagging sales of Xbox consoles, Microsoft will soon announce both games are coming to quote-unquote rival consoles, The Verge said. Neither the PlayStation 5 nor Nintendo Switch are specified in the report, but we can assume Sony and Nintendo's consoles are in the mix. The Verge added that Microsoft will launch Rare's Pirate Adventure Sea of Thieves on non-Xbox platforms later this year. Other first-party titles are also said to be in cons under consideration. Conflicting reports suggest Bethesda Starfield and Machine Games' Indiana Jones and The Great Circle were at one point under consideration for a release on PS5, but more recent reports uh, suggest those plans may have changed. Xbox will reveal its vision for the future in a special edition of the official Xbox podcast on Thursday, February 15th at 12 p.m. Pacific. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Kind of funny. We'll be live reacting on Twitch and YouTube to that. The post show, of course, will be your X cast for the week. Strap in. Andy, okay. I haven't heard you on this show talk much about this. First off, Hi-Fi Russian Pentiment. Good choices to make the jump and be on more platforms? Yeah, I'd say so. I think Hi-Fi Rush being that sort of surprise little hit that we got. Uh, get that game into more people's hands. I know Pentiment was a video game that came out at a very, very busy time and not a whole lot of people were able to play it but everybody who did loved it i know barrett loved it i've heard many of the reviews on different other podcasts sort of like applaud a lot of people game of the year you know, yeah, for yeah yeah for sure yeah it was a lot of people's like contenders um i think it's great to get these smaller games games into people's hands and maybe give them a taste of what they can have if they wanted to get game pass on pc or something like that sure um i think these are good little like sample tasting samples at sam's club or costco is what you might sure, call it sure, here yeah. um 
it, when you translate it to Texas, it's Sam's Club. That's how we say it. Illinois, too. You know what's up. Well, really? I goes there now, too. But I mean, oh, it, well, I, 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 it was Sam's Club originally. Sam's Club, yeah. Oof, get a little slice of pizza and a little Pepsi for oh about 40 God. cents. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think these are great options. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what. Uh, I'd love to know what the lineup actually is, and I'm sure we'll get more information about Thursday. That on Thursday with that podcast. Um, that seems to make sense to me. These seem like very, you know solid options to kind of get people in and uh and get those games out there sell some more units for them playstation units for the for the nintendo users out there um but yeah i don't know if like if the strategy is hey we'll sell you these two and keep in mind there's a lot of other cool gems you may not be playing on xbox game pass get in there What's the actual sort of like selling strategy here? I'll be interested to see Thursday how they frame it and what they say. I think for me reading this, this makes perfect sense. And so does Sea of Thieves. Of guess right. what? Like, let's start with Hi-Fi Russian. Sea of Thieves makes the most sense to me. You, let's have a, it's a games of service, always yeah. online. Uh, let's have a big player base mm -hmm. wherever they are. I hope cr crossplay has to be there, right? You have to be doing this. Flood, no pun intended. The server, pun intended. Pentiment, it doesn't matter. Uh, no hmm. pun intended. Uh, flood the servers so people have a million people to play with and they keep that thing going, right? Right. All three of these games fall into the same um, conversation we've had on this show before. I've, I've had on this show before, right? Of like, these are games, IPs, that I feel like Xbox has gotten probably all the mileage out of they can get on their platforms. And so especially look at Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment, Critical Darlings, and see if these you know, post-launch support and where it is now, I guess. Oh, for sure, yeah. See, these are definitely in a much better state than it, it was when launched. Critical now. Darlings that didn't set the world at large on fire, right? We talk about Hi-Fi Rush, you talk about Pentiment, you are talking about games that the people who played adored, and then there was a whole bunch of people who just couldn't be bothered to play them. So why not take those games and treat them like indies, because they are smaller. We're in the day of the dive, mm -hmm. diver argument and all this shit. But they're smaller games that the PlayStation audience would probably vibe with because PlayStation audience does vibe with indies and does vibe with smaller titles and why not get them out there and switch to switch. Of course, probably the number one eh, steam and steam deck, but switch in terms of the three console manufacturers, I would say the big indie platform, right? Of like, Oh, I'm going to get this there and pick this up and go do this kind of thing. Do you, do we think they're going to be cloud offerings in the way that we've seen control? Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment? No, I think those will be straight They're up gonna downloads. Be scaled down. I think you can fit those on on uh, the Switch, no problem. I guess if you could put Mortal Kombat 1 on there, and we saw the way, the sort of like visual differences yeah. on the Switch. But these games, I, I mean, Hi-Fi Rush, gorgeous. Pentiment, gorgeous, but I don't think they're graphically intense. In Very true. I think the Switch can handle that and not have to worry about that, and obviously or PlayStation, that wouldn't be an issue at all. I think these make sense, and I think that it'll be interesting to see how they phrase this when they get to this Thursday podcast of, hey, we're doing this, and we have these games that we know are great and we want them to have a larger audience. And again, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. We, um, if I'm, if I'm there right now and I'm trying to not, well, I'm sure it's already recorded, but if I was trying to craft the message, right, I would be trying to get, explain the business to the audience of, we have all these studios. You have so many Xbox first party studios. You have so many exclusives. We want these studios to be empowered to make small, weird shit. We want them to be able to make a hi-fi rush. We want them to make a pentiment. We want whatever Tim Schafer and Double Fine is doing to happen right. and exist. For that to exist and make financial sense to us, we need to be able to get the most out of those games, and that means bringing things like these, what, like two years later for hi-fi rush, Barrett, right? It's, we've already crossed the year threshold on that, right? Uh, yeah, that was January last year. 
So let's uh, a year plus the year you have the year exclusive window. And I guess it's two on Pentiment maybe. Uh, let's get it out there and let's go and take these somewhere. I don't know how you phrase that around. Like I obviously the one that makes people bristle right are is Indiana Jones. I'm bristling right now. Starfield, whatever. I'd be super stoked about it, but I, I wouldn't care. I'd, I'd love to play it again and get trophies. Yeah. But uh, let's go Indiana Jones. Like I think you can phrase that in in if you can pour water on that fire and be like, this isn't us going multi platform for everything. Our biggest games and our triple our A offerings will be exclusive to Xbox, yes. And even if you can say, our first party lineup, I haven't seen this is where the messaging gets really tight, right? But I'd be like, if you could say our triple A games will always be exclusive to Xbox or, you know, day and date, whatever. Right. And then our smaller games will be at least a year exclusive to Xbox, right? I don't understand. Like, I, it's been crazy. And I understand it's because there's no information to watch people spiral on this and go crazy about this and try to fit you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it's all these different arguments that i sometimes get i sometimes don't get but like to get down to what xbox is trying to do the amount of mouths they have to feed the studios they have to support the the way the business has to work i think you know even this article from wesley right does uh, such a great job in the second graph amid slowing game pass subscriptions and flagging sales of xbox consoles like microsoft has to go find money and so if they, they, they look at this and they're like, you know what, we're not going to give up the next, we're Indiana Jones, we're not going to give up whatever the next Gears of War is, Halo is, the day and date huge games, but we have these smaller games that we want people to make. We want them to make weird shit and we want them to make smaller things between their big things. We have to go find the money. Do you see an option for them to make everything a timed exclusive where maybe the larger, more prestigious titles are a three-year or two-plus-a-year exclusive, and these smaller games will get a year or something like that. Because uh, I could see, the obviously, the plus and minuses on both sides where some of these games can launch so broken that waiting a year sometimes makes sense, and yeah. that sucks. That, that happens a lot. Like, I didn't... Again, I didn't beat Jedi Survivor until the end of the year, almost like, you know seven or eight months after it came out yeah, yeah. where it was in a much better state on PC. Um, but I, I could see them doing the Sony strategy where when, you know, we were surprised about some of these games not going multi-platform immediately on Sony. And then you kind of think about how when you release it on Steam again, when you release a PlayStation 5 game on Steam again, that's a whole new life for it. It's getting a brand new debut again, and it makes waves on the internet. Look at all the concurrent players on Steam. God yeah, of War, yeah. whatever, whatever, is getting you know 120,000 concurrents uh, on Steam right now. It gets a whole new sort of life. You're almost like you're just releasing the game again. I could see Xbox doing something like that with the larger titles two years after it releases, saying PlayStation now gets that. Wow, PlayStation sales for you know, um, Starfield are, you know, out the, out of the course. door, out the roof, uh, in the, the roof, in the basement, <laughs> through the roof, in the basement's bad. That's bad. So, gotcha. Yeah. I, I don't know. Cause I just don't think you, I don't think you want, uh, think about when all these different season passes launches and the deluxe edition, the regular edition, we have the charts and the things. Mm. And the one. I think your message needs to be as simple as possible on Thursday and as honest as possible. And I think that, just saying our smaller games are whatever games these games are coming to to these other platforms mm -hmm. and we're withholding the right to do that in the future don't worry about your big stuff and then you can always change that you can do whatever you know what i mean like i feel like 
there's a great super chat in here that I think I want to bring into this, right? It's a member, I'm sorry, uh, Side of Fries says, how much, if any, does Xbox talk about ABK, Activision Blizzard King, on Game Pass, if Game Pass is what sells Xbox going forward, right? This is a thing Tim Gettys has taught me in the way we package kind of funny. And what I dude, oh, oh, dude, I need you to watch all the airbuds. Man of Wim, not bad. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyways, no, in, for real, of like in the lead up to a kind of funny day, right? We try to have the bad news in quotes. I mean, there's never really bad news, yeah. right? but we try to talk about the stuff that we think might not be the most exciting early to get it out there. I wonder if that's what Thursday is, where it is just a, hey, this is what we're doing. These games will be going multi-platform. This is the little bit of the strategy we have for it, and this is why it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. So that you can then have a different day to be like, Activision Blizzard King, here's what the Diablo is going to be here. With the expansion is going to drop. You're going to get it. You're going to get that. You're going to get Call of Duty. You're going to like, you can have the big push of like, yo, this is what's super exciting and awesome and not tarnish it with the bad news. And I understand, well, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down where if you were able to say, oh yeah, these are going, but it's like in the grand scheme of things, does anyone, and I'm, and I'm not taking shots at any developer, in the grand scheme, does anyone give a shit that Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment are going to go multi-platform? Sea of Thieves is going to go multi-platform? Fanboys, sure. Oh, my God. Blah, blah. But it's like, is someone clinging to Hi-Fi Rush so tightly right now that they can't understand that that would be great for everyone if more people played that game and understood that was great? Become, um, I want to say Tango fans. That's not right. Tequila, right? Who made Hi-Fi Rush? Tango. Tango? It was yeah, Tango yeah. Gamer. Understand that Tango is an awesome studio, and so they get excited when they find out the, uh, that Evil Within 3 is their next game, and it's only on Xbox. It's like, yeah. these are all ways to show a new audience how awesome these people are. And to your point then of like, uh, well, what if you did the in two years? That's when it gets weird of like, if you say that, then I do think you enable and embolden a whole bunch of PlayStation players to be like, oh, I never need to jump. Whereas if you do this, and it is the little taste, which again, is what PlayStation's doing on PC. Oh, hey, Spider-Man 2's coming up. Yeah. Here's Spider-Man. Oh, Ragnarok's coming up. Here's God of War. So these PC players, you know, they get up. From, I was going to start talking about <laughs> The PC players, they play it. They're like, oh, this is great. Maybe it is time for me to buy a PlayStation for that sequel. And, right. you know, and it converts a percentage of them. I, I mean, I don't know if they're going for conversion, though. I don't know if when they decide that they can put out Indiana Jones and uh starfield and elder scrolls 6 and they say hey these have a limited uh not you don't want to say limited because that's that's a very very negative yeah, term yeah. but it's going to be on xbox for sure at the start and nowhere else xbox and xbox game pass and then if playstation owners know that they can wait several years to get it i don't know if they if they were even thinking of being converted in that moment see but here here's the thing i think again where i talk let's go to the playstation pc argument the conversion there, I think, is single-digit percentage points of PC players who buy those games then go and buy a PlayStation 5 right. if they didn't already have it, right? I think it's a similar thing to a degree, but I think that they're not... Xbox, with this, isn't trying to convert them to buying the Xbox. I think they just want them on Game Pass. And back to that argument, if you're a hardcore video game player, right, you probably have one box and a PC, I would assume. Or just a PC, maybe, or whatever, right? right? So even if it is that now Pentiment is dropping on your PlayStation, you play it, that's great. You say, oh, man, I forgot how good Obsidian is. And, oh, man, there's other stuff. And, man, I paid... What is, what's Pentiment on Xbox? I'm uh, 20 bucks, right? 15 bucks, whatever Pentiment was? Mm -hmm. Shit, that's a month of Game Pass right there. I should have just bought it on Game Pass. 
then you look at the next game at whatever and you think about it and you get it on your PC hopefully right and you go that way and like that's what Xbox has to be thinking right yes this I think in general this is hey worst case scenario we are going to make more money where we weren't making money before on selling the games right best case scenario you become in great you say man Xbox has got a lot of great uh, developers and I'd like to play more of their games and they're all on game pass so why not get a month of game pass again like I don't think this is the end of the, I don't think the Thursday's thing is we're getting out of consoles. We're done. Xbox series X and S are dead or we're not doing any more after that, but Xbox's future clearly is game pass. And I think they're still trying to figure that part of it out and getting everywhere and get you to go do it. A great point. That's all I do around here. Make mm. great points. No, I don't know. You want to hear more about PC games? No, I'm okay. No, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. What I'd like to hear about Andy is number two on the rope report. Your story, your preview of Splatoon. What you you went and played DLC for Splatoon? Splatoon 3's DLC called Side Order. One okay. of those that like, you know, Tim was like, hey, are you interested in this DLC? I was like, hey, you know, I'm not super interested because whenever uh, it, whenever you play a story mode in Splatoon, it never really ever quite hooks me. But uh, a little pun right there because they talk about don't get hooked. Get off the hook is what they say. It's one of the sayings. It's Splatoon? Say. Yeah, it's Splatoon. Yeah, huh. yeah. Because um, why, why, are the squids getting, are, they, are people fishing for them? Yeah, I mean, okay. you got to think about it. <laughs> think about hooks. I want you to know when we, I kept saying Splatoon DLC because I was like, I think it's Splatoon 2 DLC. You're like, Splatoon 3. I'm like, they made a third. Splatoon they 3. made a third one of these. So, All right. So here's the thing. I, you know, I, you I have a very things. passing interest in Splatoon. Whenever Splatoon comes out, yeah. I will play the shit out of it for a couple of weeks. And then just the nature of our business, the nature of our jobs, yes, so you hop so. onto the next thing of, of whatever is out that month. Um, so when I was, you know, met with the opportunity to go play whatever this DLC is, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll go try it. Out. Let's see, what, let's see what's up with it. And and gamers, they made a roguelite. Oh, and like legitimately within the first level of me playing, it's essentially the Tower of Sisyphus mode in, okay. in Returnal. Okay. You are climbing a tower, going floor to I see floor, it. I see it. getting unlocks. Some unlocks will only be for that current run some unlocks will be permanent unlocks um like you can get more health or you can have um more damage as an example i don't know if that's exactly what uh max armor damage reduction uh armor recovery all sorts of things like that and within the first five minutes i i was just like oh shit like i know not every game needs a roguelite but it's but this one does. it's such an easy win and yeah. this is like kind of a no-brainer and i don't know why i never could have thought that Splatoon would have done well with a mode like this. Uh, it's super fun. It's um, you're essentially playing against this enemy named the Grayscale, and all the world is gray, and it's like this virus, and everything's bland and boring looking. And you have this, uh, you have a palette that you then put a bunch of little color chips in, little paint chips or whatever. And the color chips are all uh, color coded, where like red is all damage based. Okay. Uh, yellow color chips are all like I don't know. Um, mechanic base maybe like movement or dodge okay you know maybe if you dodge here then it throws out a, a splatter of paint or whatever of of ink at the bad guys there are so many little cool upgrades there are so many uh neat the you know the, the idea of basing runs around this sort of damage or basing a run around this evasion mechanic i love when a roguelite can make you experiment with whatever the hell you're doing that run um, and I think those are my favorite roguelite experiences. Like, you know, I always think about when we talked about, um, Cult of the Lamb. Yeah. yeah and yeah, Cult yeah. of the Lamb never really made me feel the way 
Hades, Hades felt does, when I'd yeah. hop into a run and go, oh, this is going to be an all whatever run. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to yeah, go yeah, yeah, all yeah. towards this little portion of, of whatever the video game's offering me right now. Splatoon 3's side order DLC really seems like it's going to uh, let you have that option. Um, different weapons, different mechanics, different abilities, customizing your character with some really neat story uh, moments that I can't talk about, but I'm... Oh, cool. Uh, I'm super jazzed about this. So there's a story in this? It's more like God of War than yes. Last of Us? Okay. 1,000%. Yeah, it is It is very much like its own sort of contained story. That's fucking cool. I'm super stoked about it. I And again, going into this, I thought it was going to be more campaign things. I played a decent amount of the Splatoon campaign when, when Splatoon 3 came out. And I just ended up wanting to go back to multiplayer. And I remember thinking, like, that was always my worry with the Overwatch campaign. It's like... Yeah, but when I'm in this game mode, I'd rather just be playing against other people and like ranking up or whatever. I don't really feel like it's going to be perfect for a story sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, always yeah. how I felt about the campaign. This offers um this roguelite experience I think is exactly what Splatoon needed. And again, there's a lot of roguelites out there, I know. Like it seems like a kind of easy win for the developers because it is. I think like a lot of, but I mean, if it works, I mean, the roguelike is awesome for a reason, right? Yeah. Like I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of them, but it's also the fact that like, if you're playing a Splatoon rogue, like maybe you're not playing Last of Us, maybe you're not playing Rogue Legacy, maybe you're not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It will put bring this mode that works in so many other ways to this, let alone the fact that it's getting you more content. Period. Right. And giving and you a new thing to do with your content. Um, I, you know, they showed us some later sort of uh, end game type runs where they are playing on the hardest difficulty ever. Yeah. It yeah. looks absolutely insane. You can customize uh your weapons by like. For example, the uh, one of the guys there had a like a charge rifle, almost like a um, what, what are those big ass rifles that? Gatling guns? No, that uh, uh, in Metal Gear Solid Two, the the lady who loves Vamp, Fortune, Fortune has that big ass like like laser cannon, though. yeah, rail gun. But, but it's rail like, gun, rail gun. There we go. Thank you. Um, I had this rail gun that usually charges up a lot slower, right? It's like a yeah, yeah, yeah. boom, and you kind of like wait till the end of the charge to fire off that projectile or whatever. But there was a modifier that made it shoot a lot faster. So it was almost like a shotgun. There are so many little things that you can add on to uh, modify the current weapon you're using, which is really cool. You could take a close-up weapon and make it a long-range, like, sort of slug shotgun type thing. Um, and uh, after every run, you have the option of, like, all right, what's the next room I want to take on? I could take on the easy difficulty sure, sure, sure. where it'll only give me this reward. Yep. Or I could go for hard and get this, get this one. Thing, yeah. It's super, I think it's just super well-designed and sort of laid out for you. Love that. I'm really excited about it. Love, Unfortunately, love, love. Uh -oh. comes out in a real busy time. We're talking Ooh. Rise of the Ronin. We're talking uh -oh. uh, freaking, um, I'm blanking on the other game. Or is it March 20s? March, uh, February 22nd. Oh, okay. So then it'd be a Final Fantasy. Dragon's Dogma 2 as well. Okay, sure. Okay. Tough. But I'm still jazzed about it. Very excited to hop into it. 25 bucks. Hopefully it's worth the price of admission. Excellent. Seems like it. Well, thank you, Andy, for your preview. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you what's worth the price of admission. The Kind of Funny membership. Either, they're pa either on Patreon or YouTube, you get the Kind of Funny membership and you get each and every episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily and all our other shows ad-free. You get the ability to watch us record the podcast live as we record them. And of course, you get my daily video series, Greg Way. But guess what? You're not using your membership right now. So here's a word from our sponsors. 
We are brought to you by Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is a standalone game that welcomes fans and newcomers alike. You don't need to have played Final Fantasy VII Remake or any other Final Fantasy titles to play and enjoy Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. The combat is not traditional turn-based and has more action-focused gameplay, with even deeper improvements since Remake with new synergy attacks and team-based combos. And there are large open sections to explore with Cloud and his comrades venturing across the planet, their fates unwritten, making every step in the expansive world outside Midgar fresh and mysterious, and of course, there are dozens of mini-games. There's a story recap video of Final Fantasy VII Remake for those interested in learning more about the story so far, and those looking to experience Final Fantasy VII Remake fully can pre-order the Final Fantasy VII Remake and Rebirth Twin Pack, which includes the game plus the DLC episode Intermission at no extra cost. You can download and play a demo of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth right now on the PlayStation Store, and you can pre-order the game in the link in the description. The wait is almost over. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is out February 29th. Get hyped. This episode is brought to you by Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, and more. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Two-minute meals allow you to fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Factor's less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week, plus you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash kindoffunny50 and use code kindoffunny50 to get 50% off. That's code kindoffunny50 at factormeals.com slash kindoffunny50 to get 50% off. Number three on the Roper Report, ladies and gentlemen, it was a, quote, truly awful idea uh, to spend $125 million on Immortals of Avium, former developer says. This is Chris Scullion at VGC. A developer who worked on Immortals of Avium has said it was a truly awful idea to release a game of its type with such a large budget attached to it. Immortals of Avium was released on PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and PC late. Uh, no, that's not right. PC last August uh, 22nd and was met with reasonable review scores with a Metacritic score of 70. However, the following month, uh, developer Ascendant Studios laid off nearly half of its staff, with its CEO later saying it was down to poor sales during a crowded release window. Now, in a new report on IGN, an anonymous former employee of Ascended Studios said the game cost around $125 million in total and that making a single-player game with a budget that big was asking for failure. Quote, at a high level, Immortals was massively overscoped for a studio's debut project, they claimed. The development cost was around $85 million, and I think EA kicked in $40 million in marketing and distribution. Sure, there was some serious talent on the development team, but trying to make a AAA single-player shooter in today's market was a truly awful idea, especially since it was a new IP that was also trying to leverage Unreal Engine 5. What ended up launching was a bloated, repetitive campaign that was far too long, end quote. A second Ascendant Studios developer, who IGN says is still currently employed by the studio, complained that the game ticked a number of boxes that players seemingly want, but still sold poorly despite that. Quote, it's not a sequel or a remake, it doesn't take 400 hours to beat, has zero microtransactions, no pointless open world grinding, they explained. Quote, although not everyone loved it, it reviewed pretty well, currently sitting at a 74 on OpenCritic and a mostly positive on Steam. No one bought it, end quote. 
One of IGN's sources also suggested that while people may call for CEO pay cuts for unionization, I'm sorry, may call for CEO pay cuts or unionization following news of mass layoffs, sometimes they're just the result of an industry that currently isn't compatible with certain working environments and that, in their opinion, Ascendant didn't actually do much wrong. Quote, there's plenty of layoffs due to gross mismanagement and greed, parentheses, looking at you, Embracer. Uh, but there's also plenty that happened because uh, this is a stupidly volatile, mar volatile market that requires mountains of capital to participate in at a professional studio level, end quote, they said. For all the things Ascendant did right, paying people well, an entirely remote studio, little overtime until the end, chill environment with lots of freedom to grow, respecting QA, hiring juniors, etc., it did not work out, end quote. Andy Cortez, I, of course, reviewed this game for Kind of Funny. Mm -hmm. You did not do your part. You did not buy this game, and you did not play this game, so you're part of the problem. I'm sorry. Look, it's because I previewed it. I got to disappointed, play it Andy. I played at Summer Game Fest, and it's not enough. It, it was just, like, not running super great, mm -hmm. and um, I wanted to like it. This was one that I thought, oh, it's first-person shooter. I'm super into it. And also, like... The main character, his acting wasn't really... I wasn't vibing with it. Wow, you'd do Cameron Kennedy like that. Wow. Wasn't vibing... Yeah, it does kind of look like Cameron Kennedy. I just wasn't really vibing with it overall. And yeah. I think that, like... Remember, I, for the record, I didn't vibe with it either. I, think I, I gave it a 3 out of 5, right, Chad? Is that right? And slash wrong. It does suck for these developers to be like, hey, we delivered on a lot of things that people want. People hate pointless microtransactions. They hate uh, being delivered a a product that clearly is, like just meant to get you in and nickel and dime you here and there, but we're delivering this other product. But, and, but here's my thing. and I, if, you The game still has to be awesome, though. Yes, <laughs> that's my, that is my problem 100% with it. As somebody who played through all of Immortals and reviewed Immortals and didn't hate Immortals but didn't love Immortals, like, it, saying everything they say here, the unnamed developer, and I get, first off, totally, they worked really hard. They tried all the things, yada, yada. Saying, listing these things that gamers don't want and saying we didn't do that is as bad as saying, but they do love open worlds and checkboxes and blah, blah, blah. It's like you're doing the checklist in reverse, where again, like the core gameplay, the core setup, the, the like it was a repetitive, bland ass game that went on too long and story was like, well, like, you know what I mean? Like, we don't need it, was just a generic ass game, period. That's yeah. the problem with it. It wasn't, it was too open world or not single player enough or whatever the fuck. Like, that's not the actual issue here. You didn't find the fun in it. And I think it really goes back to the uh, person talking about, right, it was like massively overscoped for a debut project, $125 million in total, right? Like, that is an absurd amount for this. And I think it's always what I've said time and time again, and I, I don't like saying, and I hope somebody figures it out and it isn't like this all the time, but anytime you have these studios that start up and it's like, we got this guy from Call of Duty and this dude from EA and this guy. And like, we got all these heads. And they're making a new studio and it's awesome. And they're making a gigantic game. It's always like, that's a bad idea. We can look at Immortals. We can look at Callisto Protocol. We can, the, all these different studios. I mean, like, what is that Snow Moon doing? Where is that game gestating? What, you know what I mean? Like, right. you have these studios that come out and like, we come from AAA games. We have made them before. So we are going to make a AAA game. And I'm always like, that is a terrible idea. I would much rather see those studios take a second, and this is apples and oranges in terms of the scope of studios, but I'd rather see them take a minute and make a Banishers, which I classify as a double-A game. It's from Don't Nod, who's made many games, obviously, Life is Strange, Vampire, but it's a smaller scoped game, right? Of like, right. this is what we're doing and getting our legs and learning as a team how to create together and learning everybody's vibe. And it's like, 
I think so many people come out and they're like, we are going to, this is the vision. This is the vision for the game. And it's like, awesome. That should be like, when I started the YouTube channel that became kind of funny, I was like, I want to make a show where I go around the country eating wings. I don't know how to fucking edit. So instead I will make an Oreo show and a show where I talk to my roommate to learn premiere, to learn tricks, to learn (laughs) cameras, to then eventually move on to that. Right? Like you need to start small and go. It's the same thing I talk about all the time with these live service games that keep failing where it's like everyone comes out of the fucking gate being like, we're going to be Fortnite. And they forget that Fortnite did not start as Fortnite. It started so much smaller and they didn't, it was just a mode and then, Oh shit, this is big. And like you add and you change and you evolve and you go. Yeah. This game needed to be evil West, which is a very small, triple a or a double a shooter this mm-hmm. game needed to be much smaller in scope and i understand i understand wanting to shoot for the stars and make your hey this is unreal engine 5 look at the fidelity on these characters look at the look at their eyeballs them eyeballs are so realistic this game looked really stunning in a lot of moments but when you shoot for that that's a lot of budget and then we're talking ea's 40 million for marketing like what marketing like i don't I'm very confused by what the marketing and what the push was there of them saying that. I feel like it got marketed. I, I was on IGN banner ads and it was, they did the, um, I guess you're right. They did that giant event preview event down at EA campus that I went to. That was like the giant screens and like, you know, they flew people in from all over the world. Like marketing's more than just the ad. Sure. Like, yeah. You're right. You're stuff. right. And I, and I think we didn't do any sponsored streams with them, but they did a bunch of sponsored stuff when they came out or whatever. It's just, it's, it's just a lot of money for a first swing like this. You know sure. what I mean? But again, I think then it's like, you know, again, you can buy into that hype a bit. And again, the game, I thought, looked good. Like, it, it was visually impressive or whatever. But like, you know, they were saying a lot of things and trying to make a Marvel movie and da-da-da-da-da. And there was things to like in Immortals. Again, it wasn't a bad game. But I think, you know, EA wanted to come out and try to make that a thing and try to make some money off of it. In such a congested gaming landscape, it is just like so hard to break through with something like that. 100%. When people can play whatever the hell they want because they're we are so inundated with so many good games and great options out there not to mention not only new stuff but older big titles that are on the backlog that went on sale recently like there's too much great stuff out there to put out a seven out of ten that costs that much money 100 percent, yeah and i also think that like it can be incredibly difficult to read the landscape because again the second developer who's speaking anonymously right is uh, the game ticked a number of boxes people seemingly want uh, it's not a sequel or remake it doesn't take 400 hours to be there's zero microtransactions da, 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 da. that is shit you hear on gaming podcasts when you listen to mm-hmm. that is shit you see on twitter when you look at this and message boards yeah but then the fact of the matter is like again we are such a small percentage of gamers that say that we are the reason xbox is like fuck bring pentiment and hi-fi rush to somewhere else they did not buy it on they did not buy it on Xbox. Bring it to other people to buy this game and play this game. And again, those are such smaller swings from studios to get creative versus something this big. But again, like I hate I don't I get it, but I hate the argument of like, you everybody says they want new IP, but you're not supporting well, yeah, the game's not good. Just because you're making a new IP doesn't mean it needs to be, okay, well, we have to support it. We have to make it. I have to get three more of these. Like, no, that's, I'd rather the studio learn and change and go from it. But like, it sucks for layoffs. But again, you look at it, it's like, did they really think the good times are going to roll on this? I haven't listened to it yet. Um, Patrick Klepek, I believe, at Remap Radio oh. did an interview with uh, Brett. I forget Brett's last name, but Brett, who is the CEO of Ascendant Studios. And apparently it was like a, 
no punches pulled. He was very honest and open about what happened, why it didn't work, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, I thought that when I saw this headline, I was like, oh, is this from last week? But it's actually a different thing following up on it. So if you haven't listened to that, go check it out. We move on. Number four on the Roper Report. IGN to host IGN Live, an in-person fan, 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 fan event in LA this June. This is IGN staff at IGN. Today, IGN has announced it will host IGN Live, an in-person three-day fan event in Los Angeles this summer featuring gaming and entertainment creators. Hey, that's us. Developers, publishers, and enthusiasts. Hey, that's me. Uh, the event will take place in early June, and while official exhibitors are expected to be announced in the coming weeks, for now it promises to include, quote, world-class talent parties, networking opportunities, and unique attractions from a curated list of leading exhibitors across gaming and entertainment, end quote. It will include live IGN shows, tournaments, first looks at new releases, and panels featuring, I'm sorry, panels, quote, featuring headliners from games, television, movies, and more, end quote. A portion of ticket sales will go to a charity, uh, go to charity via Humble Bundle. IGN will serve as the one component of IGN's annual summer of no, let me try this again. IGN Live will serve as one component of IGN's annual Summer of Gaming event, which has been running in digital formats since 2020 and has historically included a number of gaming announcements, celebrity appearances, interviews, and other presentations. In addition to the in-person uh, event, IGN Live will also stream its uh, presentations over console, mobile apps, and on IGN channels. Huh. Huh. They said E3's dead will be E3. You think um, how big you think it's going to be? They don't talk about how big it's going to be, right? You get, well, I mean, them, them saying world class talent, like I mean, how many people are coming? How many tickets are you selling to this? Well, if you and I go, that's two right there. Four tickets sold. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna bring four people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. Minimum. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm, I'm immediately wondering, like, what sort of level of influencer celebrity are we talking? Are we going with like? people kind of in the in the general gaming sphere are we talking about a streamer like maximilian dude that level of streamer like what 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 are the what are the 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 levels here on the tower of sisyphus you know it's interesting because i don't even go so much to that that'll i think obviously that'll be there but i would think if you're like us are we covering this that's what i get into of like is this you talk about it's going to have panels and it's going to have video game stuff and it's going to have parties so it's like is this the is weekend? this E3? Is this SGF the week after or yeah. the week before or whatever? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, concurrent. are we going covering? Are we going to be a part of it? I don't know what are you doing. You know what I mean? Are they going to have a 3v3 basketball tournament? Are we live, re- uh, what are we I was live hoping, reacting? Who are you going to have on your team? If you what know? I was hoping when they were, like, you know, uh, featuring gaming uh, and entertainment creators, developers, publishers, enthusiasts, and three-point shooters. Put me out there, man. You know Damn, what I mean? I'll, I'll, take the, I'll take the paycheck. All right. Well, we'll watch this with bated breath to see what it turns into and see what news comes out of it. Yeah, uh, I wonder if like how many world premieres. How many do you think? World premieres. Put the over and under at three and a half. Oh, over. Over. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you including games and entertainment or just games? Oh. Got your ass, didn't I? Because now there I'm thinking, ooh, yeah, now I'm thinking Netflix's like Yep. Uh their sort of showcase that they do where it's like, hey, here's Geek all the tweet. new all the new anime shows. Yeah, Geek Tweak, yeah. Didn't they lay off all the people who make Geek Tweak? I don't even Shit. know what's going on. Yeah. Probably. If your question is, did that company lay off a bunch of people? Your answer, answer is, is probably yes. going to be yeah. Speaking of Greg Wayne, number five on the Roper Report, DC Universe Online Dev Dimensional Inc. hit with layoffs. This is Justin Carter, a game developer. Employees at DC Universe Online Studio, Dimensional Inc., and publisher Daybreak Games have reportedly been impacted by layoffs. 
At the time of this writing, a precise number uh, hasn't been given. So far, it's known that members uh, from the art, community, and narrative teams were caught up in the reductions. A source speaking to Kotaku claims the cuts mainly affected senior staff. Community manager Theodore Stone, if you're a kind of funny er, fan and you've listened to me talk about DC Universe Online, or if you know DC Universe Online, Theodore Stone, fine, that's MEPS. MEPS. Uh, Worked at Daybreak slash Sony Online Entertainment for 13 years. Good Lord. And was laid off during this. Art producer Andy D and narrative designer uh, uh, Linnea uh, Glasser uh, each had four years. DC Universe Online first released in 2011 and has gradually expanded to more consoles over the years. The cuts come as Dimensional Inc. is bringing the game to current consoles with an update. Boo. So I was definitely there when Meps was there. 100%. Yeah. Meps. I mean, I like you talk anytime you've heard me tell a story about DC Universe Online and studio visits. And yeah, Meps was there. Oh, like, that's really? the thing. Like, I've known him forever uh, through this game. And that sucks. And that's the thing. I, I tweeted about this as much as I could. And, you know, the uh, one tweet, right? So 20, 280 characters, wherever. Uh, but it's that idea of like, we talk about layoffs every day here, right? Every day. And that sucks. I hate that. That You know, it's such a tumultuous industry, right? But for this one to hit and be it somebody that I know not so well, like he's my best friend, but no. So he, he I, I, I retweeted Trexlight, who I was called into the show before to talk about DC Universe Online. Trexlight, uh, a DC Universe Online player, makes a whole bunch of content about it. Trex put up an hour-long podcast in reaction to all of this, right? And like the first 20 minutes is him like, talking about what a big deal MEPS was for him personally, as a content creator, as a fan, let alone that MEPS was the bridge between the developers and the community, right? He was mm. the one on the board. Like, I guess I'm a wishy-washy on dates. I'm going off of this in the podcast, but if I'm understanding what Trex was saying, like Friday is when the layoffs happened and like Friday MEPS was on the boards being like, there's a fix coming for this Xbox issue, yada, yada. Like he was the guy talking on behalf of this game and had been forever. Which means, like, you love him or hate him or whatever. Like, he was the guy. He was the voice of this, right? And so it's crazy that this has happened. And as Trex pointed out, and for me, resonates so much. Like, he was like the last of the old guard. Like, I don't know the DC Universe Online team anymore, right? Like, I knew obviously the original folks when Jens became the big wig when he left, and it was SJ. SJ left, but like, Meps has been the the constant. He's been the through line that's been there for all thirteen of these years, talking to the community, being that thing. So it's crazy to think about that they needed that you know who knows what the financials are and they they layoffs and yada 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 but they were like let's get rid of him crazy is this is dcu online something you're paying for monthly you could be i'm not okay like my thought my you can to get a whole bunch of different stuff and yada 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 okay. uh, but it is still free to play okay gotcha uh my thought my my thing with it has always been uh, when i come back which i do every so often not you know with any regularity i usually buy the month and do whatever i'm doing and, mm. and, uh, and like you know me and mike have been all talk of like they had said last year that at the holiday they were going to release the playstation 5 version the xbox version just a native client because you're still playing the playstation 4 version or whatever uh, and so we had talked about maybe rolling new tunes or going back to our characters on stream. And then that got pushed where like they had said that it was going to be for the holiday. I had asked some uh, questions. Then they put up a statement saying, Hey, it's not going to be the holiday. And then it's kind of been all quiet on the Western front. So then this happens, which inevitably leads to what's going on. You know what I mean? Like you're laying off your most senior people or at least senior people from the team. This is a 13 year old game. 13 you know, years old. Yes, the, yes, there are people playing it. I don't, nobody knows the numbers of what's happening financially, yada, yada, but it's like, I'm surprised it's lasted this long. Yeah. This doesn't inspire confidence in me that you're ever going to see the PlayStation 5 slash Xbox Series X client. 
shit. I and I that's and I mean again, full cards on the table. Like I am not with my finger on the pulse of the fucking DC Universe Online community and everything else anymore. So it's just like my thoughts as we've seen the bloodletting that 2023 and now even more 2024 has been. If you're making these kind of cuts, I can't imagine you're sitting there going like not. And again, I'm talking out of my ass because I don't know. They say what it's it's community and narrative and may, may, yeah, maybe you launch this and maybe the next and they're still making episodes for it. Maybe the next episode or two episodes or three episodes. Then you're done. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just again, think about what we're saying. A 13 year old MMO is still running about DC Universe. I, I mean, like that's crazy enough, let alone to see this stuff. So yeah. My heart goes out to everybody affected by that. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope it goes on for a long time. I hope they do launch on PlayStation 5 and we get to play some. Number six on the Roper Report. Spiritual successor to SSX was in the works, but not anymore. Oh, man. This is Willow Row at Kotaku. There is one video game series that will forever loom large in my mind, and it is SSX, with no new entry in the extreme snowboarding franchise since its 2012 installment, which is fucking crazy to say. It seems like there is little hope for it to ever make a comeback which makes it all the more depressing to hear that we could have seen the series lie, live on in the form of a spiritual successor. The revelation that such a game was in the works comes from a sweeping report by IGN about the recent influx of layoffs at high-profile companies in the industry and how they have affected the ability of developers to make games, whether being due to being laid off, losing funding, or working with fewer colleagues. A former employee at Studio Supernatural uh, told IGN that the company was working on a spiritual successor to SSX uh, that was to be published by 2K before the publisher pulled out. Supernatural was founded in 2020 by uh, two people best known for as the creators of the SSX series. So it sounds like we almost had uh, exactly what fans have been dreaming of for over a decade. Boo! I mean, I'm not too surprised by this. Like, Yeah, 2K. My, I mean, my immediate jump to is probably too big you know what i mean like again let's make a smaller ssx snowboarding spiritual successor i mean i i get that i i understand i just think about like immediately you're talking about what the profits need to be does it need to be a games as a service do we have a battle pass all that have shit that pass. hits every yeah um lift pass and i i immediately go back to like one of the first packs i ever went to and seeing the excitement by a lot of people getting stoked that there was going to be a spiritual successor to Road Rash. And then kind of realizing that, like, oh, people don't want this anymore. I do. Like, you think you do right now. Yeah. But, like, are you going, would you buy a, a Road Rash spiritual successor today and really get into it? If it was good, yes. I, I think I remember the game you're talking about. It. Yeah. I remember it coming out and us playing, but ooh. And, and, that's, and that's kind of my feeling with a lot of these games. Like, we talk about a lot of the extreme sports games like Ubisoft's uh, 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 fucking Slope Time. Steep. Steep. <laughs> Ubisoft Slope Time. And then there's that other one that Mike was really into for, like, a day or whatever. Like, there have been many attempts at doing something like this to bring back that nostalgia. Yeah. And remember when you used to rent a game like this as a kid where you could bring all those feelings back and not have to think about you know, the unending suffering the planet's going through right now. 100%. Yeah. But it just never, ever quite works. Like, I don't... It's hard for me to think back to a time where one of these attempts at a spiritual successor has really, really popped off. Sure. And been, like, a big financial win for whatever studio is making it, you know? 
Yeah, again, people are calling out Riders Republic, right? Like, yeah. I mean, Shredders is what Mike Shredders, said. Shredders Jabroni, and I still yeah. love it. And he misspells still. Uh, Did he? I mean, it's that idea of like, again, I think when you get 2K involved in it, that's when you're going too big. You know what I mean? Like, 2K is not funding. It's your point. 2K is like, well, how are we going to monetize? Yeah. How are we going to do whatever? Blah, blah, blah. An indie studio that could come off and do that, right? What's uh, Hellskates? The, they got some of the Tony Hawk people on it, and Blessing and Tim are super stoked about that. And that's an indie game, so it's like, okay. Yeah. That could maybe do the thing. Who knows? What I know is that I'm tired of all this big news, Andy. Mm. If I wanted something smaller, say the tiniest news I need to know about. Where would I go? You'd go to our last story, the We News Channel, where we cover all the small items you need to know about. Number seven, the Wii News. Sony has reportedly canceled Rise of the Ronin's release in South Korea. VGC says the decision may be linked to the game's depiction of a controversial historical figure. Hmm. Who do you think it is? I bet it's Bill Gates, two samurais. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, I Am 8-Bit is releasing an exclusive Persona 3 Reload vinyl soundtrack with pre-orders going on sale February 15th. It includes 60 tracks from the new Persona 3 remake, spanning four LPs that are pressed on holographic broken glass style vinyl. Fight Crab 2 launches today into early access. Dead Island 2 is coming to Steam on April 22nd. Hey! Hell yeah. I, I, I haven't opened the in, the email in my inbox. I was hoping it was more news about DLC. And get them Steam achievements? No, I'm, I still got a platinum in it. But I'm working on it every so often on my portal. Uh, deal of the day for you. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 Knuckle Standoff Limited Edition Statue is up for pre-order at BBTS. It's only $340. BB dubs. Deal of the day. Sure, every PC gamer is snatching this up, right? Who the fuck would buy this? Blessing. <laughs> like, this, no. looks, this looks awful. Blessing's already got, he's already swiped the card on this one. Don't worry about it. This looks atrocious. I don't like it. I don't like how hairy he looked. <laughs> they went for the realistic, like, film version. Let's do some super chats really quickly to get you out of here to get to the stream that's coming up with Blessing for Islands of Insights. It's sponsored. Uh, Guitar Hero Arrow says Sony's new trophy policy means game collections like Tomb Raider 1 through 3 remastered can't have a platinum on PS5. What could that mean for Assassin's Creed Infinity? Don't worry about it. Assassin's Creed Infinity will never actually happen. You don't have to sweat that. It's don't sweat right that. Now. And also... Tomb Raider, uh, we've talked about this platinum shit before. They just somebody at the company just has to know to ask. If they will just ask, Sony will give you the platinum. I tell every indie person watching this, every indie developer, just ask. If you get a trophy list back and it doesn't have a platinum on it, ask for the platinum and they will give you the platinum. Your game will sell more copies because of it. I swear to God. How? I mean, I, it's so weird to me that that's even a thing. That you have to like that. It's there's that much red tape involving a don't fucking. Don't even I don't start it. I don't get it. It just seems like an extra thing you just fucking toss in there, you know? I know. And yeah, as they point out, Mad Rise, the PlayStation 4 version of Tomb Raider has the Platinums. Why is trying to get a trophy like trying to open a business or something? I don't get it. <laughs> like, you, know, oh, you, gotta talk, you gotta go get oh, that yeah, notarized. Get that go get that form and bring it over <laughs> Shit, here. Bring man. your birth certificate. Uh, Sterling Matthew Oliver says, I turned 27 today and kind of funny. Was one of the best parts of the day. I don't know if that's bad for me or great for y'all, but thanks either way. Happy birthday, Happy Sterling. birthday. Uh, where I did side of fries. Ignacio Rojas says, who needs hundreds of friends when you can have hundreds of frames per second? My GPU and True. CPU give me all the warmth I need at night. Absolutely. Ignacio, couldn't have said it better myself. And you know what I think is a great way to play that PC you have? Next time you want to play something, just settle on into the bathtub <laughs> and put it right there on the side. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. <laughs> Zach Johnson One said, of those that, as he was saying it, realized, probably not what I should be saying. 
<laughs> it's one of those we know Ignacio so well, and yeah. I know, but oh, 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 somebody's gonna pop up here and be all, oh, Greg said the PC gamers should kill themselves. Jumped out. We know him, everybody. We know Ignacio. Jumped out the plane. Great kid. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Everybody, calm down. Without the parachute. Zach says Greg has to tell us if we should buy Microsoft stock. I'll say. You know what? I bet it's going down on Thursday. Microsoft stock probably a great time to buy. But this is real financial advice. Don't bother playing the music. You're fine. Uh, Herbie gave a super chat and said, Hi-Fi Rush with the PS5 haptic feedback would be epic. Sure. 100%. Uh, Purple City Gaming says, Is anyone excited to see more and play Phantom Blade Zero? The gameplay trailer has me personally hyped. I don't know what the hell that is. I don't know what that is either. But it sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah, it does for sure. Uh, Another little ween news, Greg. I did a preview for a game called Nightingale. Oh, did that preview? But what'd you think before the Splatoon preview? Yeah. Um, really enjoyed it. It's a yeah, I was big, surprised. Big survival game. Aaron Flynn, formerly of Bioware and yeah. Mass Effect fame, uh, his brand new studio. I'll, I'll, already, this is like the most um, impressed I've been with this like early access open uh, whatever. Like they, I think they hit early access in a couple in a week or two. Um, but already, this is this feels like the most developed of the ones that i've tried right like i feel like every time there's a new one of these big open world multiplayer survival games um they always you feel and see a lot of the jank and this one felt very very uh developed and deep deep into to development um got to hear about what they're sort of going for when it comes to creating these worlds building your houses going out and doing like these you know, uh, boss raids and seeing the sort of enemy variety in the game. Very, very encouraging. Super stoked about it. Had a great time uh, building my little house and going off on adventures, recruiting a new member to come kind of like chill at your house and help you build stuff and gather um, materials and things like that. Great time with it. Gorgeous game. Unreal Engine 5 as well. Um, just looks really, really impressive. And there's I, some really cool story and lore stuff. At, SGF, at SGF, they had a hands-off presentation. I got to talk to uh, Mr. Flynn about it. Uh, I like, I'm not even this, this kind of gamer. I liked everything he was saying. I, I was hoping it would come together. And so I knew you had done this, and then I saw the preview embargo lift, and everybody seemed really stoked by it. I was like, oh, yeah. shit, that's great. Yeah, very, very exciting. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we ask you, if you're watching live, to correct us. Keep us honest by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. The one, the only. The bathtub PC gamer Ignacio Rojas writes in and says, Rise of Ronin comes out March 22nd. Andy brought it up as a February game oh. that would come out close to Splatoon DLC. Yeah, that was confusing. They're both talking- March? Rise of the Ronin and Dragon's Dogma come out on the same day. Oh, I did the mic thing where it's like, I, what, what day is a half marathon at? Happens. And I did it a month early. My bad. Yeah. I thought those were both the 22nd. The 22nd really threw me off. 22nd of March. Because then I think yeah. of two second month. February. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every week down a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about live on YouTube, Twitch, and podcast services around the globe. If you love that, support us with the Kind of Funny membership on Patreon or YouTube to get each and every episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily and all of our shows ad-free. Get the ability to watch our podcast live as we record them like... The screencast special WrestleMania ranked this afternoon with Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling. And of course, to get my daily video series, Greg Way, a vlog you can care about. If you got no bucks tossed away, no big deal. Like, subscribe, share, leave reviews, do all that jazz. And, and no, until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.